This is the Gospel City Church podcast. Our hope is that this message is helpful, encouraging, and even life-changing as you grow to know the person and work of Jesus. Enjoy this message today. Today's scripture passage is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 120. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshesh, and I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Amen. Amen. Uh, So sometimes when we look at the book of Psalms, it can just seem like a bunch of random songs and prayers put together without any order or any really, you know, order to the, you know, madness. But there is actually a a flow that happens in the song, and there's actually sections that are put together that have a general theme or purpose, and that's what we're going to be going over at the start of this new year. And this theme or this section is called the Psalms of Ascents, Psalms of Ascents. And it goes from Psalm 120 to 134. And you'll see that each of the headings for each of these psalms is a psalm of ascents. And it's called that because these were songs that pilgrims would sing as they made the ascent to Jerusalem for the major Jewish festivals. Three times a year, they would take, um, these were displaced Israelites that would make the trek to Jerusalem for three times a year. And Jerusalem, a little something about Jerusalem, is located on a hill, on its elevated plain. And so there was a literal ascent as they made that journey. And this is representative to our, our faith, our journey in our faith. We were not ascending to Jerusalem, but we are on an uphill journey towards our true home with our Father. And so we're going to look at these songs for the next 15 weeks, and they're going to show us a wide range of emotion and experiences that we go through as Christ followers. Uh, Sinclair Ferguson refers to his series as a hitchhiker's guide to spiritual survival. It's a guide to spiritual survival. So we're going we're gonna to find these 15 different little gems that will help us in our spiritual walk. It will give us a greater understanding of who we are, who God is, and where it is we're heading. I want to begin by asking you guys a question. Have you ever been under distress away from home? And considering that we're all expats away from home, I would like to think that all of us have at one point. It could describe some of your state right now, right? You're here overseas. You're without your comforts, without your family, without your friends, without the things that you're used to. And that's hard enough. But then something happens. Some trial comes your way. Some challenge, some distress comes into your life. And things are much worse. Our psalm starts off today on a pretty heavier, somber tone, right? In verse 1, it says, In my distress, in my distress, I called to the Lord. And it's appropriate because what we have here today is a believer who's displaced, who's out of his home, who is going through distress. And so as we look at Psalm 120, 
It's going to show us ways for us as a believer to deal with the distress that we encounter in our lives as we journey on this spiritual walk. And so we're going to begin by looking at the cry to distress. Cry to distress. Psalm 120 helps us to feel the harshness of living in this world and directs us to cry to God in honesty. It helps us to see the harshness of this world and directs us to cry to God in honesty. Let's look down and read verses 2, 5, and 6. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. This pilgrim is crying out in distress to God. Why? Because he's living in a harsh land with harsh people. The passage describes him sojourning in Meshech and dwelling in Kedar. And uh, if you look at the map of the region, Meshech is actually in, located in modern-day Turkey, and Kedar is in the Arabian Desert. And those two places are not close whatsoever in proximity. The scriptures here, is not, he's not really describing the places that he's traveled through or where he's li- living currently. But what it is, it's representing, it's, drawing, it's making an illustration of what it is to be living out of God's land, away from God's people, and living in a hostile land, in a hostile territory, in a land that is not his home. And in this land that is not his home, he's dealing with a hostile people. It says that they, are, they have lying lips, a deceitful tongue, and they are for war. So he's in a hostile environment with hostile people. His way of life as a follower of God, as a believer of God, contradicts the way of life of the people that he is surrounded by. And so he is in this distress because they are deceitful and they are lying. Basically saying that he is being slandered, that he is being attacked maliciously by words. Uh, To borrow from an illustration I ran across, um, I think we've all heard this phrase before. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but... That's right. Turn to your neighbor and say, words will never hurt me. You guys don't sound convinced, and that's good, because turn to your neighbor again and say, that's absolute nonsense. (laughs) Whoever came up with this phrase has either lived a completely sheltered life or is in complete denial with their emotions, because we all know words absolutely do hurt. They, they, They have the power to break us, especially slander, especially lies spoken against us. Proverbs says this about slander. Proverbs 12.6, slander lies in wait for blood. Proverbs 11.9, it destroys neighbors. Proverbs 16.28, it separates close friends. It seems like it's just mere words, but these words of deceit and lies have the power to destruct and it has the power to really upset us and put us into distress. And this is what the psalmist, this pilgrim, is up against today. I mean, have you guys been slandered against before? Right? It's not fun. It it really cuts deep. It cuts deep and it cuts different. 
I mean, imagine like I come in or you guys come into work tomorrow and you, your coworkers are coming up with all these lies about you, maybe making stuff up about your family, questioning your character, integrity, accusing you of doing something you have not done. You would be livid. Your blood would be boiling. It would be so unfair. You would be in so much distress. And that's exactly what the psalmist is feeling to here today. But what we want to look at now is his response, his response to his situation, right? He's living in this foreign land up against these hostile people who is defaming him, questioning his integrity, bring, accusing him of all this falsehood. And what he does is he's honest. He's honest about his distress. Look down to me with, at verse 5. Woe to me that I dwell among these people. Woe to me. I am sad. Sorrow is upon me. A more modern-day translation is, my life sucks. This is horrible. These people that I dwell among, these deceitful and lying people. In verse 6, too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. Too long. My soul has had enough. I am done with this. I am sick and tired of this hostile land and these hostile people. He's being open and he's being honest and raw about his emotions to God. The situation has been going on way too long and his patience was on empty. You know, too often we go through our distress and in our trials and we try to make like things are okay, right? And I want to propose to you based on what scripture is telling us that it's not necessarily healthy to do that. Right? We, we either want to you know, be the tough guy, we want to act like we're okay, and, and we just brush off these distress and trials in our life, and, and we just want to, yeah, we just pretend that they're not there. You know, uh, I want to be uh, a little bit honest and vulnerable for a moment. Uh, as all of you know, or many of you know, my wife and I recently uh, had twins, and uh, they're coming up on five months, and uh, yeah, they're our first kids. And they're full of joy, and it's, it's so, there's so much blessing. But there's also a lot of stress involved in it. I mean, um, they say, twins, you know, it's not twice the trouble. It's like exponentially the trouble. And so my wife and I, as much as we're enjoying it, it, it has been a challenging season for us. We're, we're new, learning new things. We're, we're being pushed. We're being stretched. And then... On top of that, uh, about two months ago, I assumed uh, the position of lead pastor here at Gospel City. And this is a brand new experience for me, too. You know, there's a learning curve. I, I, I'm being stretched in different ways. Uh, um, I'm definitely, um, there's transitional pains. It has been a challenge. It has been a joy and it's been a blessing, but it also has been a personal challenge. And all these things, all these things have been starting to pile up in my life. And I felt like I had to keep it together. That I had to be strong and keep it together for my family. That I had to be strong and keep it together for the church, right? Because I had all this responsibility on me. And what ended up happening, I wasn't being real to myself about all the emotions and all the stresses that I was feeling. And because I wasn't facing and I wasn't being real to myself, I wasn't being real to God in my prayers about what I was going through. I was acting like I was okay to myself, so in my prayers, I was acting like everything was okay to God. Well, until one week, um, 
just that perfect storm hit. You know, all the stress and pressure was mounting. And just, you know, those weeks where everything that could go wrong starts to go wrong. Well, it was that week. And then I remember coming home uh, after work, and uh, I was pulling out of a parking spot. And I ever so slightly uh, nudged the car in front of me. It was a small fender bender. And, and there was a little scratch. And this woman just insisted that she had to get a new bumper. And so we did all the insurance and all the trading, and I was just like, I was just so down. I, was, I just, I, I had enough. I remember, you know, f- figuring all that out and, and pulling into the, um, the parking garage and just parking my car, and I just lost it. I broke down. All this stress, all this pressure had been mounting inside me, and I wasn't being honest about it, and the smallest little incident just caused me to lose it. And I think a lot of us do that with the stresses and the challenges that we face in our lives, right? We tell ourselves, oh, you know, it's not that bad. Or, you know, things could be worse. Or I don't want to be a complainer. Sometimes we compare ourselves to other people and be like, you know, this person, they're going through so much worse, so I I can't really say anything about my situation. I want to propose to you that that is unhealthy in our walk with God, in our journey of faith. We need to be able to be honest and open to God about the emotions that we are going through. There's a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Peter Scazzaro. And he says this about being honest about our emotions. Ignoring our emotions is turning back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. The psalmist is showing us that we live in a harsh world. There are hostile people that are around us, and we will face distress. We will go through trials. We will go through challenges. He's showing us to go before God and be honest about what's on your heart. Be able to let those emotions, show those emotions to God in your prayers. Because when you do, when you're able to do this, it's actually an incredible blessing. And that brings us to our next point, the blessing of distress. Blessing of distress. Our distress can be a blessing if if it drives us to the Lord. Let's look at verses 1 and 2 again. In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. So this psalmist is opening up by remembering that there have been times of other distress, and that he called out to the Lord in those times, and that the Lord answered him. He's not talking about the current distress he's going to. He's looking back on previous distress. He faced a challenge in the past. He faced a problem at home. So he called out to the Lord, and the Lord heard his prayer and answered him. And then some time passed, and he faced a challenge at his job. He faced stress there. And so he called out to the Lord again, and the Lord answered him. And what we see is he has built upon his relationship with God by going to God in his times of distress. And what that is giving him is assurance 
and confidence for the current distress that he is now facing. You see, every time we go through distress, it turns into a blessing when we go to the Lord. Because the blessing of distress is God is calling us. He's using our distress to draw us toward him and deepen our faith. Every time we go to him in our distress, we get to experience his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. Every time we go to him in our distress and lift up a prayer to him, he answers and we see his mercy and his love towards us. And as we journey through this life, as we journey in our faith, we do this continually. And as we do, it grows and grows. And our faith deepens and our relationship and the trust in the Lord grows. And this is where the psalmist is at. He's developed over time that trust by going to God in his times of distress. And he knows that God will answer him. C.S. Lewis um, has a quote. It says, Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. There's nothing more attention-grabbing than the pain and distress that we, we go through. There's nothing more that, that really kind of wakes us up than our trials and the troubles that we face in this life. We grow in our relationship with God in our prayer life, in reading the word, in fellowship with the saints, through the hearing the preaching of the word, through giving thanks to the joy and good times in our life, through just the everyday, mundane, normal, everyday life. But there's something about our relationship with God when we go to him in our trials that really grows our, our faith in him and our relationship with him. I remember um, there was a time when I, I was, I spent about six months, three months in mission training and three months of missions in India. And there was a relationship I have with someone that I was on this trip with. And although I've only spent six months of my life actually like being with this person and seeing him face to face, my relationship with him is actually closer than a lot of the people that I've had in my life where I've known for years. And the reason is this. We went through some real tough trials in India. It wasn't an easy time for us at all. I remember, you know, going there. As soon as we, we landed in the country, it, it was hot. It was like 45 degrees every day. 45 degrees, a scorching sun. And, and we were not used to this. And then on top of that, in, in India, everything closed early at night. So we would finish the day, and we'd get back to our, our, our place, and there would just be absolutely nothing to do. Three months of this. Um, I remember we took a train trip, three days on a train for, to get to, to the rural side of India. And um, for some reason, our leader decided to be a little stingy, and we didn't get the first, first class tickets. We were kind of in the middle. And um, I just remember, um, yeah, we, we didn't want to eat or drink for three days because we just didn't want to use the facilities. It was a really, really rough ride. I mean, I, I loved India. It was an amazing country. But I just remember, we just went through a lot uh, during our time there in those three months. But it was, it was going through that time with him, going through all these hardships and difficulties that we, we really got to know each other. We really got to develop a deeper relationship. 
And this goes the same with you know, everyone in our lives. If you look at your spouses, your relationships with your friends, your parents, yeah, you grow with one another in the good times and sharing in the joy. But when you go through those difficult times, when you get through it together, it creates a certain bond, a certain trust, and it just really deepens your relationship. And this is what has happened with the psalmist. He's faced distress in the past. He's gone to God in prayer. He's experienced answers from God. And it's strengthening him for this trial that he's currently going through. You know, as, it, as we journey through this world, we're going to face adversity. We're going to face trials and hardships. And it's not going to finish until that last day. But we are also going to face options when we face these trials. When those times come... Are we going to just fall into worry? Are we just going to sulk, go into despair? Are we going to try to soothe ourselves perhaps with shopping or alcohol, pornography, Instagram, whatever it is that we find comfort in in times of distress? You know, God might be yelling at you with a megaphone through your distress, but we choose sometimes to tune it out and ignore it. Rather than going to him, the one who provides comfort, the one who provides peace, the one who listens to our prayers and answers it, we choose to ignore that megaphone. And when we do, we miss out on the blessing that trials bring to our lives. So church, I want to encourage you, when you're facing that distress, when you're going through times of deep lament and sorrow, let it, let it point your antenna to God. May it turn your gaze to him. May you dig deep into him so you, so you would just experience that goodness that he has over your life. That you would grow in relationship with him. Deepen your faith and trust in him. Don't let your trials and distress go to waste. Go through them with the Lord. Walk through those trials with God. Andrew Murray, a Puritan theologian, um, to paraphrase, said this, a believer may pass through much affliction and yet secure but little blessing from it all. Abiding in Christ is the secret of securing all that the Father wants to give us. Abiding in Christ through those distress, through those trials, will unleash and unlock the blessing that God has for you. And from the strengthening of relationship with God, we get a deeper faith, but we also receive peace. Peace. When we go to God in our distress, we receive peace. Let's uh, work through this passage. I want to kind of uh, outline it for us and, and as I hit this last point. Let's look down at our Bibles. And in verse 1, what we see is the psalmist remembering God's faithfulness, remembering that God answers prayers. In the verse 2, he's making a plea to God in his current distress, in his current situation. And then verse 3, all of a sudden, he takes a turn, and he directs this rhetorical question to his adversaries. He says, what shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? And then immediately after 4, in verse 4, he answers his own question, and he says this, a warrior's sharp arrows with glowing coals of the blue, uh, broom tree. 
Now, you might be wondering, what, what is he talking about? See, the wood of the broom tree can be used to make really great charcoal that retains incredibly heat and lasts for a long time. And these, these shooting arrows, this represents God's justice. That this psalmist is trusting in God to deal with his adversaries. He's like, what's going to be done with you? You know what's going to be done with you? God will handle you. God is righteous, and his righteous justice will prevail. So I'm going to entrust the Lord. I'm going to entrust this situation to God. That is where the psalmist's heart is in verse 4. And then verse 5 and 6, he's honestly complaining about his circumstances, that he's living in a hostile land and with hostile people. And in verse 7, here's the kicker. He ends the psalm like this. I am for peace. I am for peace. I am peace. But when I speak, they are for war. What he's essentially saying is, despite everything that's going on, I am for peace. There is peace upon me. There is peace in me. He's saying, by God's grace, I can endure this situation. I can live with this distress. I can live with this trial in my life. And how does he get there? How does he get to that place? How can he have peace amongst these liars and those who are out for war and speaking all types of slander against him? Because on the surface, when you read the psalm, it just sounds like, you know, he's crying and complaining and lamenting about a situation. But if we look a little deeper, look at what he's doing, right? First, he's remembering God, remembering that God answers his prayer. Two, he's crying out, but he's crying out to God. Three, he's trusting God to carry out justice. Again, he's fixing his eyes on God. And four, he's being honest about his situation and complaining, but he's complaining to God. Everything is directed towards God. And that's where his peace comes from. That's where his peace comes from. He's not fixating on the problem. He's not fixating on the people or where he's living. He's acknowledging it, yes. He's not in denial about it. He's bringing it to the Lord. But ultimately what he's, ultimately what he's doing is he's looking to God. And that is his source of peace. Uh, Scott Saul, as a pastor, uh, illustrates the point like this. Um, this pastor, he has um, arthritis in his feet. And, and it makes it really difficult for him to walk around sometimes. So what he finds himself doing a lot is just constantly looking down on the ground, right? Because the smallest crack or the, the crevice could cause him to trip and stumble. You know, wet surfaces could easily make him lose his balance and he can slip and fall. And so he's always just fixated on what's happening around him just so that he won't fall or stumble or hurt himself. But every once in a while, he'll take a moment and he'll look up. And when he looks up, he sees the beautiful blue sky. He sees the rolling clouds, birds chirping in the air, the beautiful sun lighting up the day. When he takes a moment to look away from the treachery of the, the ground, the danger and the troubles, the potential troubles that are there, and he takes a moment to look up, he sees so much beauty and goodness. And that's representative of our walk here on this earth. Sometimes we can get so fixated on the potential dangers, the treachery, the injustice that is being done to us, and we're so fixated on the ground 
that we fail to look up to God and see his goodness and his glory and see that he is the giver of peace, that he answers our prayers. So church, I want to encourage you to look up, to look up in your distress, in your trials. Take a moment to take your eyes off of what's going on, take it to God, and look to him. You know, the Psalms are great in showing us uh, the experience of the believer and the emotions that we go through. But there's a potential danger if we just stop there and look at all, you know, all the emotions. And, and what we want to do is we want to look past that. We want to look at these psalms, and we want to look past it and see something greater in them. We, we want to see Christ, right? Because these psalms are meant us to direct us to him. These psalms are meant to direct us, to tell us about who we are and who God is to us and who we are in Christ, and if we look at this psalm, I want to ask you guys, is there anyone who embodies this psalm more so than the psalmist, more than you, more than I? Who experienced this psalm in the greatest extent? But Jesus Christ. He left the glory of heaven. And he came down into this hostile world. And he lived among hostile strangers who accused him falsely, spoke lies against him, slandered his name, and yet he was without sin. Christ experienced this psalm in the deepest sense, and he did so always looking up to the Father, seeking his will, obeying the Lord, and trusting in him. He kept his eyes on God through it all, and eventually he would suffer and die so that we would have peace so that we would be reconciled to God, because we were once aliens, enemies, and uh, just separated from him. But Christ came down and died for us to bring us peace with God. And now we have a Savior who not just reconciles us to God. He actually experienced the struggle that we went through. So he can sympathize. He can empathize with your struggle. He came down and faced the same struggles that we face. And so when we fail, when we fail to look to him in our distress, you know, when we, when we try to soothe our things with idols and when we try to just, yeah, when we try to take matters into our own hands, Christ understands the struggle that we go through. And he's always there with his arms open saying, come to me. I hear your prayers and I will give you peace. Let's pray. If you've been blessed through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. Gospel City is a gospel-centered church in Seoul, South Korea, on a mission to plant Korean-speaking, healthy, gospel-centered churches. You can give by going to the website give.thegospelcity.org. Thank you for listening, and subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Remember, Jesus changes everything.